have been, and I probably always will be. Um, so I brought my purse up here with me, not because I don't trust Rick or Jerry, but, <laughs> um, but because um, I am kind of a a literature a literature packing geek, and I um, feel more comfortable with my big book and my 12 and 12 and my pamphlets and my, uh, you know, mini everything. So so uh, in case I need to reference anything, I have it down there. Um, I'm going to try to keep away from the literature today and step out of my comfort zone and maybe even share a little bit from the heart. Please, higher power, help me with that. So... I am so excited to be here. I have to tell you, though, I am a little bit nervous, too. Um, for one, I don't know if um, any of you guys were here on the first conference, um, the first year where the talk of the home group, which is the one I was given this year. Thank you, Kent, wherever you are, for entrusting me with such an amazing topic, um, was given by Don L. from Bellingham, huge hero of mine. and. Wow, that talk was amazing. Seriously, I would not be the member that I am today had I not listened to that talk like 10 times. <laughs> so, so that's kind of big. Um, so I'm trying to stay out of, you know, pride and ego and self around that because Don's home group talk was probably the, one of the best AA talks in general I've ever heard, um, not just about the home group. So if you haven't heard that talk, I, I'm pretty sure that Kent, I'm pretty sure that the Unity and Service website has past year's speakers on there. And if you have any problem, you know, downloading or whatever, um, my email address is jandcblake at gmail.com and request a copy from me and I will pay for shipping. I will send you a CD. Um, I will email you an MP3. Last year at this conference, Bob D. from Las Vegas gave a traditions talk, which I think was the best Bob D. talk I've ever heard, which is saying a lot if you've heard Bob D. talk. And then Billy N. talked about myths and misconceptions. And that talk last year was probably the most informative AA talk that I've ever heard with more good information straight up out of the literature, not as opinions, than probably any, you know, six to eight hour workshop that I've ever sat through, condensed in 45 minutes. So those three talks, here's my pitch, okay? Um, if you haven't, <laughs> if you haven't listened to any one of those three talks, please, um, I, I have my phone number on me, email address. I will send those to you because those three talks as a kit is probably single-handedly, if every AA member listened to those three talks, I think that AA would be in good hands for the future and the future alcoholic not yet born. We wouldn't be able to help but have a whole new respect for Alcoholics Anonymous. So with that said, I'm humbled to be up here, you know, talking from the same podium that those those talks were given from and it's an honor and a privilege and I 
I want to thank I want to thank my host Kevin. Um, <laughs> on the way here from the airport, it was a long drive because of the traffic, but Kevin made it very short. He is a talker, and um, I, I had a I had a sponsee who flew here with me, and she's going, man, he he even talked you under the table. Like, he even gave you a run for your money. I've never seen that before, <laughs> and um, so I can't wait to come to this Unity and Service conference and, and when he's asked to be up here because you guys will be very entertained. So that'll happen. That'll happen real soon, I'm sure, because um, it's people like this, like my host Kevin, with under a year, who have so much passion for Alcoholics Anonymous. And these are the gifts that I get in this program. These are the gifts that I get from attending these conferences and stuff like this, is those needles in the haystack. You know, those needles in the haystack that I get to, to experience um, this thing for the first time all over again through the passionate newcomer's eyes. And th those are the gifts of this program for me. How many newcomers do we have in the room? Anybody under a year of sobriety? Can I see a show of hands? Oh, awesome. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Let me just say, if you stick around this thing... You are in for the ride of your life, for sure. Um, I hope that you keep coming back. I hope you hear something this weekend that um, opens your heart to um, how beautiful this thing that you belong to really is. Um, I, I didn't realize what an honor it was when I first got here to be um, a part of AA. At first, I was around AA, you know, um, then I got a sponsor, and I, thanks to Tradition 3, and thank you for, for your, your lead, um, I, I eventually was in AA, you know, and then, um, and then I started uh, learning about the traditions, and I got a home group, and I became part of AA. And those are distinctions that have been very important to me, and I'll tell you why. Um, so... When I first got to AA, um, I didn't want what you had. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest. Um, I didn't. I didn't want what you had. Um, I didn't want to do what you did to get what you had, and. Um, I, I didn't care about any of this, like, stuff that you would read, like the promises and, it, it, well, those ninth step promises, um, you know, they were, I don't use the word trigger very often because, it, I mean, once we recover, it's like, you know, it, when I was new, Tuesday was a trigger, right? So, <laughs> um, so I, I don't buy into all that. I mean, I, I don't. I don't have to stay sober one day at a time anymore. I, I get to live life on life's terms one day at a time now. But um, I, you know, ever since I acquired my permanent sobriety date, which is the word that the big book uses, and I love our literature, um, I, I haven't had to deal with with that type of thing anymore. But um, I will tell you that. If there was such thing as a trigger for me, those night step promises being read were a trigger. You know, they, they said, you will know a new happiness and a new freedom. Well, I knew how to get that. It came with about probably one and a half beers is when I would start experiencing that new happiness and new freedom. Um, you know, and, and it said that um, I will lose the fear of people and, and financial insecurity. Um, that was at about, you know, two beers um, in. And, you know, even if I was broke, it's like I would lose that fear of uh, financial insecurity. Drinks on me, you know. Um, I, w 
could lose interest in self and gain interest in my fellows. <laughs> yeah. experience, you know, a new sense of peace and freedom. And that, those night step promises, if anything, they triggered me, you know, and, and, um, and I didn't want that stuff. I didn't care about that stuff. I was so selfish and self-centered that all I cared about was you guys telling me the secret. I just wanted to know the secret. I just wanted to know how not to wake up drunk or hung over the next morning wondering what I had done last night, who I had done it to, what I had said, um, and having to retrace my footsteps and find out, you know, the horror story that would again land me in that feeling of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. And so I, I just was looking for the secret. I just wanted you guys to tell me the secret. And, and once I found out, I wasn't going to, I wasn't one of you. I didn't need all the help that you guys had. I didn't have the character defects. I didn't, I mean, it was great for you. It just wasn't for me. And, and so I just needed the secret or you could teach me how to drink like a lady. That would have worked too. Um, I would have been okay with that. Uh, but I was going to get sober. Thank you for your time and, and be on my way. And that, you know, obviously didn't happen. I didn't realize that I would fall in love with the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. But I was coming in five minutes late because I didn't want you to hand me something to read. I didn't want to talk to you. I had friends. Thank you. I don't need to be friends with a bunch of drunks. Um, I would leave five minutes early um, because I didn't want to pray with you. I didn't want you to hold my hand. I didn't want, you know, again, to talk to you. Um, and it, for some reason, it just wasn't working for me, <laughs> this AA thing. Um, I did get a big book that I didn't read. I got a sponsor that I didn't call. I got, you know, I, I went to meetings that I didn't really attend because all I was thinking about was me, me, me. Um, and once I did start opening my mouth in meetings, I wasn't listening to your experience, strength, and hope. I was sharing with you my problems, feelings, and opinions. <laughs> and, and that's about it. Um, so let's see. I didn't want anything to do with God. I didn't want anything to do with that old, outdated book um, that was written by men. Um, uh, I didn't want anything to do with you. Um, but it took me, doing this it this way took me about nine months, actually nine months to the day to acquire my permanent sobriety date. I could put together about two to three days, sometimes five um, in that nine months, one time I actually put together 23 days. It was the day after Halloween and I woke up yet again in that state of pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, swearing it off forever, saying, I am never gonna, I'm never drinking again. And I meant it. You could hook me to, up to a lie detector test and I would have passed, you know? Um, yet here I was in Mexico waking up, you know, 23 days later, um, and I, uh, and that's when I kind of went, you know what, I see a pattern here. They're staying sober and I'm not. So maybe I ought to start going to more than, uh, one meeting every two weeks, which was my, <laughs> my schedule. <laughs> so I, I, um, made, I made the decision that, um, you know, I was going to start doing this Alcoholics Anonymous thing. I was not just going to be around AA. I was, I was, this is my transition into AA, right? Still wasn't a part of AA, but I'm, I'm getting into AA and, and, and I decided, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to make the sacrifice here for all these people. Um, 
if I am going to do this AA thing, if this is going to be my part of my life, you know, some things are going to need to change around here. First of all, the big book needs to be updated. The meetings need to be upgraded. And y'all were going to need to start acting right. And this was going to take a whole lot of work on my part. But I was willing to make the sacrifice for you and for the good of AA as a whole. And that's when I started doing Alcoholics Anonymous alcoholically. Threw myself in with both feet. Um, I don't know how anybody in that town stayed sober. See, this is how big of an ego I have. Um, I was at service of service at probably every meeting. I had um, service positions. I had. Uh, I was in attendance. It would have been really difficult for me or for you to find an AA business meeting that I wasn't in attendance at. Um, because you needed a lot of help. And... And I had no concept of what it meant to be one among many. I had no concept of, um, of, of what a home group was, right? I mean, a home group, I, I have every right to be part of every meeting I attend. Thank you very much. They need me. And so I was at what was probably my third or fourth business meeting of the, of the month. Um, and I'm sitting there at the table. And my soon-to-be service sponsor, my first service sponsor, came up to me. Um, and he put, uh, now let me just say, I was making some, I was making some improvements, okay? I was actually making, before this happened, I, I had spread myself all over Central Oregon. Um, and I didn't think that the Lord's Prayer was appropriate in meetings. This is back then. Um, you know, it broke tradition one, it broke tradition 10. I had this big spiel, you know, I did my research, um, and, and I had successfully gotten it removed from most meetings in central Oregon. And to this day, two groups in that town of Bend are left saying that prayer that is so special to so many of us. And, uh, and, and, I, and that's not the only story I could tell you. Uh, so... Um, I think they just didn't want to deal with me, so they went ahead and voted whatever I wanted. You know, I was, uh, I like to talk. Um, so I, I got my first service sponsor. Now, this isn't, it was a mandated service sponsor. He elected himself for this position. I was sitting at what was probably my third or fourth business meeting of the month, and he comes over, and, um, and this is a gentleman who actually lives around here now. Um, we called him California Sean because he, he, came from California and now he's back living here again but uh, I was sitting at the table and he comes up and he puts a, a service manual down in front of me he dropped a service manual down in front of me on the table and uh, he said that he had pre taken the liberty of pre-highlighting the places in that that I needed to read first um, and introduced me as his as my new service sponsor and I was um well, I was appalled, first of all, but I, I, I'm not going to lie, I was intrigued, because this book that I had not seen before, um, you know, it said 12 concepts on it, and I went, well, I, I know it's a 12-step program, and the traditions back then were, of course, just something to get the old time or something to complain about, um, but, but the 12 concepts, I had not heard of this. How could me... <laughs> At almost 
almost a year sober, not have heard about this. So I took it home and I studied it and it took me a couple of days um, to get through it. And, and to be honest, I didn't understand a word in there. I didn't understand what they were talking about. I didn't even know what a committee was. Like, I didn't know anything. And I didn't walk away from that experience really learning anything more about the, the service structure in Alcoholics Anonymous than I had before I was given the book. Oh, and do you want to know what part he had taken the liberty of pre-highlight. Anybody want to guess? It was the part about the home group. And it was the part about being one among many. One member, one group, one vote. <laughs> I, I had not heard of this before. I know nothing about being one among many. I thought every group that I attended needed my help. Um, and so, um, so I read this thing that I didn't understand. But at the end of that experience, even though I didn't understand anything more about the service structure than I did, is there somebody with a time card? Is there, like, are you supposed to be, like, telling me how much time I have left? Uh, okay. Um, wait, I have what? Four, 40 minutes left? Well, I thought this talk was only a 45-minute talk. Okay. All right, so I got 40. I'll try. Um, so... Um, So I realized that I have to, I realized that I, I just read this book, it didn't, it didn't give me any more enlightenment or information, really, I didn't understand the service structure still any more than I did the day before I was given that book, but one thing that that, that service manual did for me was it gave me this amazing, deep appreciation for Alcoholics Anonymous, and it, it gave me sort of a peek behind the curtains into just how big this thing was and into how people have given their lives to protect this thing, to protect and preserve this thing so that I could have get, got sober. And for the first time in my life, not just in AA, I think I felt a tiny bit of what you guys call humility. Um... It was an emotional reaction. It was a physical reaction that I had. And I, I knew that that day, the AA was much, much bigger than me. And that it could possibly be that you guys were actually fine before I got to AA. And it was humbling. Um, it was humbling. And... That was the first time that I guess I realized that AA didn't need me. I needed you. I need AA. Um, I did finally, I did get sober. Once I threw myself into AA, um, you know, uh, and started doing Alcoholics Anonymous alcoholically, um, I did... That is when I acquired my, my uh, sobriety date. Now, I just want to say before I talk about m more home group stuff and service stuff, um, just kind of as a disclaimer, service only could have not kept me sober because I was freaking crazy that first year. And it's part of my story, part of my recovery story, which I'm not here to share with you today, but that's for another time, that I reached my my bottom in in my second year sober, um, and I created more wreckage in my first year sober than I did my last year drunk, to be honest, because you take
take alcohol away from an alcoholic like me. And that was my coping mechanism. Like, that's what I had to calm this crazy. And then that got taken away. And I really, quite frankly, I took that out on all you for a year. Um, so, uh, so I, I finally did what my best friend calls, I picked a side and I pick a side and ride. She said, okay, I dropped all my other groups and I stayed with, with, with one group. Um, and this group was perfect for me. It was a group that met six days a week. Um, it, they're called New Horizons, um, and uh, and this group it, it, it was amazing because they had six different topics every day of the week. We meet, they meet Monday through Saturday. It's not my home group any longer, um, but it was for a long time. And um, and Mondays was a newcomer meeting. Tuesdays was daily reflection. Wednesday was. Uh, is big book study today it wasn't back then when i joined it was grapevine but today it's um big book study thursday 11th step study friday 12 and 12 and saturday is kind of their open participation meeting um and uh and it was great because i started learning how to be one among many i started learning how to start attending other meetings and respecting your group conscience um, and not thinking that I knew what was best in your group, which was really, it was new for me, um, you know, and I had an, an, an amazing service sponsor a few years back that she gives a lot of talks um, in AA. She explains it like this, and this is what really, how it really sunk into me. She says, you know, we have to, each group, and I don't know if you've ever read the long form of the seventh tradition, but the first line in the seventh tradition long form is each group not AA as a whole has to be fully self-supporting by the voluntary contributions of their own members now Suzanne used to say this is monetarily and physically um and I she used to say that it, you can compare it to so at my house you know there's three of us my husband my 13 year old daughter and myself and we have a group conscience right that when you come over you take your shoes off but you don't have to watch your mouth like we have our, our rules whatever but when i'm coming to your house i might be able to leave my shoes on but you want me to watch my mouth because you might have a two-year-old or a three-year-old or you know whatever and i have to respect that i don't have to say well at my house we do this so i'm going to do this at your house um and and i got to kind of respect that and started understanding that and i started actually respecting the way that you guys do things in your group's meetings even if it was different than what my you know i got a vote and i got one vote in one group and that's it and and i started appreciating the concept of that so the other thing i really appreciated was that i didn't have to do service at your guys's group <laughs> um so monetarily and physically right so um when i have somebody over for dinner right i have you over for dinner um you're not going to tell me what to serve for dinner you're going to eat what i serve um and you're going to you might bring a, a loaf of bread or a bottle of sparkling cider or whatever, you know, um, throw a couple of, throw a buck in the basket if, for coffee or whatever at a meeting. But um, on your way out, I'm not going to ask you to help to contribute to my electric bill and to my mortgage. And I'm also not going to say, hey, before you leave, will you do mind going and making my bed and vacuuming my office? Thank you. <laughs> you know, you're my guest. And, and we have chores in our house between the three of us um, that, you know, my daughter's chore 
service position is to unload the dishwasher and sweep the kitchen floor. We have those, and, and those are all in place because we are fully self-supported through our own voluntary contributions. Uh, later on, I left New Horizons, and I'll get to that, the, the group that meets six days a week. There was a fire at Arson, and um, I didn't realize how entangled I was with that facility that the group met in. I mean, by this time, my higher power had evolved a little bit higher than what I would have thought was just the group, but it really, it, I mean, it could have taken me out if, um, if I didn't stick close with my sponsor and the women I sponsor, which by the way, I'm going to qualify, even though what was said last night, because I think that this is very important. My sobriety date is, I don't even, 325-2010, March 25th, 2010. Okay. My home group is Three Legacies. That's important. And what else is important is I do have a sponsor who has a sponsor. And I sponsor women who sponsor women. And that's what keeps me in the middle of this thing. Um, and there's nowhere else I would rather be. There's nowhere else I'd rather be today than right here in the middle of this thing with you guys. Um, and so I need those things, and I need to hold myself accountable to those things. Um, it's very important to me. This group, New Horizons, the church burnt down. Um, it was very, I took it not, I would have never expected me to take it so hard, but um, but I did. And there was also some things going on, 13-step issues and safety issues and stuff like that that I it was probably time for me to move on anyways at that point. And so I joined this group called uh, WFS. Um, I'm going to get into that too. Um, WFS met three nights a week. And, um, and while I was a member of that group, they needed, I guess, funds. We were low on, we weren't going to, we didn't have enough money for all of the different entities. And so they decided it would be a good idea to start announcing that we needed, um, you know, people should put in $2 instead of $1, and the whole a gallon of milk was this cost back in 1935, and today it's this cost, and things have changed, and you got to hear that whole spiel at every meeting. And um, I started judging, you know, I'd look, and I'd be like, oh, they're only putting in a dollar, and, you know, and I started judging, right? And, and again, my beautiful, wonderful service sponsor at, at the time, she... She reminded me that it's not up to our attendees, our guests at the meeting to support the group. It's up to me. And she says, how much are you contributing? And I told her my lump sum of what I contribute into the seventh tradition baskets. Now, I was going to 10 meetings a week back then, okay? And if I'm contributing $2, okay, into the basket every meeting and I'm going to 10 meetings a week that's $20 a week and I don't care how much you contribute that's not the point I'm just going to the point is coming that is um $80 a month right is my math right so $80 a month I'm contributing to the seventh tradition and how much of that is am I contributing to my home group 20 so $60 of that 
is going into baskets around town that I have no idea if you guys are contrib- if those groups are contributing to GSO, if those groups are contributing to the area, to the district, to the whatever, or if you're just buying expensive cookies and coffee creamer. I don't know. And so that's where the concept of responsibility started coming into me. You know, where, where am I responsible with my money, with my AA contributions? And that's when I started actually contributing online. I have a reoccurring contribution you know, taken out of my account every month that goes to some different entities. Um, but then I also contribute to my home group and that's where my, and that's where my, um, my money goes. And I had a, a woman who I sponsored a couple of years back and her, one of my requirements for sponsorship, thank you. One of my requirements for sponsorship is that, um, you have a home group that is connected to AA as a whole. And I realized that that could be controversial, whatever, but if you, if your own group doesn't have a GSR, if you're not being in AA as a whole and the different entities and, um, attending, sending someone to attend the area assemblies and, and getting the information back and forth, then I, I just feel like you're missing out on a, well, one of the three legs of the triangle. <laughs> and so, um, this woman says, well, I really like this home group and this is, you know, this is my home group. It's been my home group for a while. And, and I said, well, why don't you just make a motion that you guys get a GSR? And she's like, okay. And, and then they got a GSR and, and she, they couldn't afford to go to the area assembly. They couldn't afford to send the, the, the GSR to the area assembly. I said, well, what's let's let's take a look at that let's do some inventory and she we did some inventory and it's a once a week meeting right it's a meeting that we've once a week in that group so there's not a whole lot coming in but the ladies there they could afford it um and so um so what i did was i encouraged i gave her that same scenario that my service sponsor had given me and i said how much are you contributing she's like well two dollars and i'm like how many meetings are you going to and she's like six and i said so six a week and you're only contributing so that's twelve dollars a week that you're contributing to AA and only two to your home group. And she caught on pretty quickly. She went back to her group next business meeting. She gave that scenario. And now those ladies are all fully self-supporting through their own contributions. And they have been sending a GSR to the area assemblies ever since. They just haven't been giving their money away. And again, the same scenario goes with at home, you know, if I have a mortgage and I'm falling short and I'm getting notices on my door, I'm not going to go to my neighbor and help them pay for their rent. I'm going to take care of my responsibilities first, you know, and, and I didn't understand that, um, aspect of the home group for a long time. So WFS, when I joined my second home group, um, it was very difficult for my pride and ego because this is a group that my first sponsor was a home group member there and she did not appreciate the noon meeting that I went to and um, all of the meetings that I was attending and she one of her requirements was that I attend a real AA meeting with her at her group once a week. She's like, you don't have to come to all three of the meetings, but once a week you have to come and actually hear the message. You can go run around to all the counterfeit alleged AA meetings you want to during the, or during the day. Um, but, but once a week 
come to my group with me. We meet three nights a week. I hated that group. Oh my goodness. I, let me tell you, they, di they didn't let me be of service there. And mind you, I'm in my first year again, you know, I'm going back in my story. I'm in my first year and they didn't let me be of service because I had so many home groups and and I was, you know, and I wasn't just a member there, so I had no loyalty. And how dare them? They didn't let all my non-alcoholic friends share. Like I was bringing my non-alcoholic friends in with me for a long time because I didn't want you guys as my friends, and I had plenty of friends. So, you know, they were coming with me um, for support. Um, and and you know, and and some of them, you know, they, I thought, well. It, drug is a drug. Some of them had problems with other substances, but they weren't alcoholics and and um, and, and this group had a problem with that. They had something called singleness of purpose and I, I hate it and, and so they were Nazis you know and um, and they called on people they didn't open it up until five, five minutes at the end of the meeting for burning desires well the newcomer is the most important person in the room, right? Now I, I still, to an extent, I still believe that today. There were about three years of my sobriety where every single time I shared an AA meeting, I would start my share by saying, um, if you're new or nearly new, uh, welcome, because you are the most important person in the room today. I'm not saying that I don't believe that today uh, on some level, but having acquired a working knowledge of these traditions, mainly number one, um, which tells me that the group comes before any one individual. Um, the group has to be more important than me. The group is more important than you. The group is more important than the long-winded old-timer who goes past the timer. The group is more important than the newcomer. The group is more important than the newcomer. And for a codependent alcoholic like me, that was a hard pill to swallow. But it's true. The group has to go on functioning in order for the newcomer to, to, to recover. Um, and I love this pamphlet. I'm going to start pushing literature. I've tried not to do this. <laughs> so tradition one out of the traditions for dummies, which I love because it's a cartoon version. Um, the noisy drunk affords the simplest illustration of this tradition. If he insists on disrupting the meeting, we invite him to leave, and we bring him back when he's in better shape to hear the message. We're putting the common welfare first. But isn't it in his welfare, too? If he's ever going to get sober, the group must go on functioning ready for him. Um, so that wasn't a concept that I always knew either. And this group, uh, WFS, that I that was the ter most terrible group in all of Central Oregon, um, they you know only had five minutes open for the newcomer to share. And... And I just couldn't get, I couldn't understand why they did what they did. Well, by the time my, the church that my home group met at had burnt down and there were issues going on, you know, outside of that, I, it became very honest. I, I had acquired a working knowledge of these 12 traditions by then, and I had acquired quite the respect for that group that I once hated. Um, I realized that that's probably all those things that I couldn't stand about the group is probably one of the reasons why they're the oldest group in Central Oregon. They just celebrated 58 years, um, and um, and they're the strongest group and the biggest group. And you know, and I couldn't understand it. I so 
I had already been telling people for my first two years that WFS, which is because they meet on Wednesday night, Friday night, and Sunday night, right? WFS stood for We Effing Suck. And... (laughs) And so by the time it became apparent that my next phase of my development was to join this group that I had been saying this about, pride and ego was going to be hurt. And I uh, did some inventory work around this. My sponsor had me write a list of all of the reasons I had hated that group and everything that was wrong with it. Every reason why I couldn't join that group leaving New Horizons to go to this group that I had always hated. And um, by the time I got done writing the list, which was a couple of pages long, we did inventory, and at the end of the inventory, every single one of them almost, pride and ego, pride and ego. Can't join the group because I threw a fit when they wouldn't let me be of service. Can't join the group because I tore up the... Um, singleness of purpose, problems other than alcohol pamphlet in front of them when they shut my addict friend down. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't join the group because I've told everyone that WFS stands for something that it doesn't. And um, so by the time we did the inventory on that, the only reason that was keeping me from joining the group was pride and ego. And I, it was a hard pill to swallow, but I wrote my amends. Well, first, my sponsor said the last thing on there that I still was kind of stuck on was only five minutes for the newcomer. Um, And so my sponsor said, well, the next time you go in, and it happened to be the the night after this talk um, that I went in, and I was to pray, I was to get to the church and pray, find this quiet place. I have some outside issues myself. I got ADHD, squirrel cage, and... um, and I, uh, I was to find a quiet place and pray for either acceptance or understanding of the way they do it. Accepting that maybe they do things wrong and that's okay. <laughs> or understanding of why they do what they do. Um, I wasn't even to be selfish and pray for both of those things. And I did. I went, I went and they have this little room in the women's bathroom. Well, they don't anymore because it's remodeled. But they used to have this little room where you could close the curtain and kind of be by yourself on this little bench. And I went in there and nobody else was in there. And I prayed. And I prayed earnestly that day for acceptance or understanding of why things were done the way they were and that night oh my higher power hit me over the head with a brick so first of all that meeting that night was a really good meeting the leader her name is lauren she's still a member of that group she read something beautiful out of the big book something out of the first 164 pages about acceptance and it was amazing and um you know it was pretty much about the topic that night was pretty much about accepting the things we cannot change right in this serenity prayer and every single person that she proceeded to call on said just what i needed to hear and Everybody was talking to me, and I hadn't been emotional in an AA meeting for I don't know how long, and I just sobbed through that meeting. It was just the best meeting. And at 10 minutes before the end of the hour, she makes the announcement that she's opening up the meeting for anyone who hasn't yet had an opportunity to share because 
uh, there had been a group conscience at their last business meeting that um, that they were going to op start opening up the meeting ten minutes early instead of five minutes early. Um, <laughs> and then my higher power, who is a sarcastic asshole sometimes, just like me, and so that's why uh, you know we, we're supposed to try and live in our Creator's image. <laughs> So then my sarcastic higher power proceeded to give me a up close and personal loud view of the next 10 minutes was a nightmare. <laughs> it seemed like everyone who had a complaint about their probation officer or drug court came out of the woodwork that night. I got to hear about somebody stepping in dog mess on their way to the Chevron to get their Marlboros. Um, it was very loud, my higher powers message that night. And so not only did I, was I granted understanding of why, you know, and so then for me, it's like, oh my God, the newcomer needs to hear hope a message of how we recover, a message that there is life in sobriety, life after drinking, not somebody stepping in. So I finally got it. I finally got it, why they did things the way they did it. And, of course, now today they still have 10 minutes. This was years ago, and still today that group has 10 minutes um, instead of five minutes, and that's the most painful 10 minutes. <laughs> so <laughs> my higher power has ways of teaching me. So I, uh, I, I finally put my tail between my legs. I went to the business meeting, the first business meeting since they kicked me out, you know, a, a year prior. And I made an amends, you know, and I stood up there in front of everyone and I admitted you know where they got their nickname and I and I humbly asked for forgiveness and you know and and they showed me grace and they showed me love and they showed me acceptance and and they showed me the 12 traditions in action and um, and they were a, a wonderful home group. Uh, I started from the bottom. I even how though I had time, I wanted to be a coffee maker. They needed a literature person. I said, no, I need to serve this group as a coffee maker first. And then I served as the birthday person. And I didn't take secretary. I, I wanted to earn their respect. So they were a good group for me. A few years later, you know, I was, a, I was a home group member there for a couple few years. And uh, I was in the midst of a divorce and I needed to be at home with my daughter at night. This is a nighttime group, so it was time for me to try to, yeah, I was gonna be a single mom. Um, my husband, my ex-husband had been out, was out of the picture and um, so I needed to find a group that met in the daytime because nighttime wasn't gonna work for me anymore. So I don't know if I was ready yet to go back to New Horizons. Um, for one of the reasons is, because of who I was in the beginning of my sobriety and because of how involved I was in that group. And it meant six days a week, and I was a permanent fixture there. Six days a week. Everybody kind of looked to me as the go-to, and I had kind of made myself, you know, I don't know, the one ultimate authority in that group. Um, and and it wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for me, and it wasn't good for anybody else. So I, I didn't go back to that group because... 
it hadn't been long enough and people still kind of looked to me for the answers and all that. And, um, and there was this other group that had a lot of old timers and a lot of time. And it was, you know, well, no, it was a meeting, not a group. See, there's a difference. And this is where I learned the difference. So I knew that they didn't have monthly business meetings. They didn't participate in general service. They didn't participate in anything like that. Uh, and so I kind of thought that they were not a group that I could be a member of. Um, but I had heard through the grapevine that they had group conscience. I had a couple of service sponsees call me up and say, this group just... Um, elected that they were going to start having monthly business meetings and elect a, a GSR. And I'm like, it can't be. And, and so I thought that maybe I would join that group. Well, turns out the one ultimate authority in that group was out of town that weekend. And, um, and so she comes back and voids that decision. And um, she does not like the idea of monthly business meetings. And she did not like the idea of having, you know, somebody participate in GSR and um, and she made it very clear. She voided out that business meeting. She planned another business meeting, um, but instead of having a business meeting, the meeting, the actual AA meeting was just stopped halfway through and it was announced that we were just going to take a quickie vote. I had no idea why there were over 100 people in attendance on a Monday at this meeting that usually only has 45 to 50 people, but I was soon to find out why. And so then they took a quickie vote. Um, the first thing that was said was there's going to be no discussion. Everybody who wants this group that's been perfectly fine for all these years to stay the same, um, please raise your hand. And everybody raised their hand. And the next thing that was said was everybody who wants um, this meeting that's been perfectly fine for all this time to change, um, raise your hand. And um, of course, no one raised their hand, including me, because I wasn't a member, so I don't get a vote, right? So they made it very clear to me that, that they just wanted that to be a meeting. It's not a group. And I love Tom I's definition of uh, the, the difference between a, a group and a meeting is the meeting is what takes place between the serenity prayer and the Lord's prayer, while a group is everything that happens between the Lord's Prayer, the end of the meeting, and the next 24 hours or the next week or however long until the next meeting, which includes, you know, could include barbecues, could include 12-step uh, calls, could include GSR meetings, committee meetings, whatever. Um, this meeting didn't like that stuff, so they just wanted to be a meeting. I had learned about the fourth tradition, you know, that was what they wanted. So um, I did end up going back to New Horizons, the group that meets six days a week, and I learned uh, um, another really valuable lesson. It was one of my first experiences of the second tradition and God being speaking through the group and me being, okay, I'm going to start over. I, I'm really trying hard not to pull out pamphlets, but this picture, this illustration is wonderful. <laughs> um, if you don't know, I'm not a speaker. I, I like, I do workshops. I like having a clicker and like, <laughs> so, um, that's where I'm comfortable. I like to talk about the traditions. So here's, here's the group, the little business meeting down here. And here's me and I'm standing up and I know what's best. And then here's, here's God or higher power rising up out of the group, patting me on the head saying down girl. Like I know what's best, right? This, this is amazing. Um, <laughs> I remember one of the first times
times that I put a group conscience will above my own, which was very uncomfortable. It was early on in New Horizons when I was still in my first, I don't know, couple of years, and the vote was, and I'm sure none of you can relate to this, somebody wanted to not have AA-related announcements. The secretary was only going to read the announcements and no AA-related announcements from the floor. Well, I didn't think that was a good idea. For one, we have this guy come in, Big Mike. He was a corrections chair for our district, and he did a lot of good work, and he always had applications that he brought in with him for people to do uh, jail work, and he was always making announcements really fun and making it fun and saying, if you want to go into the jail, you know, here's, here's your ticket or whatever, and he did that every day. And, um, and I was the only one, I was a minority opinion in that um, everybody else wanted to close down announcements and only what the secretary reads. Well, I'm part of this group now, you know, I'm starting to learn about the second tradition. I had seen this illustration and I was trying really hard to, to abide by it. And Charles, the secretary that day, um, passed up the, I'll open the floor for AA-related announcements part, and Mike was there. This is the first meeting after the business meeting, and, and Big Mike was there, and he's like, oh, wait, I got an announcement. And Charles was like, oh, I'm sorry. We And Mike's like, well, I wasn't part of this. And I said, Mike, you weren't at the business meeting. Our group decided that this is the way we're doing it from now on. I was on his side 100%, but that's like saying to God, I hear you, I know what you're saying that we should do, but I got a better idea, you know? And so I use that illustration in everything. The group now uses a timer, a three minute timer for shares. Um, there was a secretary who didn't like that timer, so they were just not gonna use that timer. I got an opportunity to give them that demonstration. Oh, okay, well, yeah, if you think you you know, know better than, than God, then I'm sure, you know, the, gr the group conscience is God as he may express himself through the group conscience. And so toward the end of my first round at New Horizons, before I left for WFS, there were some safety issues, like I had mentioned earlier, big time, 13 step, really gross stuff going on. And I used to get pretty, when it came to the women I sponsor, I used to get pretty defensive. And, um, and I, I had a plan of how I was going to fix that. And I, I, I did bring it to the business meeting um, and it was voted down. I was a minority opinion. I knew in my heart of hearts that I was right and the group was wrong, right? But the group has the right to be wrong because I don't always know the plan, right? Well, I left, remember, to go to WFS for a few years and I was still attending the meetings at New Horizons, which was awesome for me because I got an opportunity to just be one among many and to be a guest. But while I was gone, they, these safety issues that, yeah, I'm pretty sure I knew a plan of how to clean up what was going on right then, but possibly maybe that would have been a Band-Aid fix because the group, like the individual, sometimes needs to reach a bottom. And things needed to get worse. And in my absence, things got way worse. Um, the three, I don't know, predators, they definitely liked me being gone, progressed, and by the time everything, you know, hit the fan, I wasn't part of the home group business meetings. I wasn't part of that stuff. And 
I missed all of it, but by the time I had come back to New Horizons, because I actually left WFS to come back to New Horizons again, thank you, I experienced that out of that bottom that the group had to reach, things had to get bad enough to where out of that came a safety and AA workshop. Madeline came over and she, you know, did an amazing job on that. Um, a new safety plan put in place, and today that group, even though I'm not a member there today, but that group is stronger than it has ever been. And it's pretty much women-dominated now, which is weird because by the time I left the first time, it was pretty much men and women were afraid to go there. But So I didn't know what God's plan was. I didn't know why the group voted that way. Um, and so I get to respect the group's conscience, even when I think I know better, because ultimately I don't know better, and God expresses himself through the group conscience. So, let me just get to... Alright. My home group I have today, it's a new group. We started it four months ago. Um, I had started meetings in the past, a lot of meetings in my busy days in AA, right? We didn't have an LGBT meeting, so I had to get in on that. We didn't have an agnostic meeting, so I had to help to start that. We, I, I helped to start a women's meeting. I helped to start a young people's meeting because we, we needed all of this stuff, even though I wasn't young, I wasn't gay, I wasn't... I, anyway, um, I was busy, though. Um, you're welcome. So I had helped start a lot of meetings, but a group is something different. Um, so it took the last couple of years, I was a member of New Horizons, but I had been planning to start this group that I don't think it's better than, I don't think it's worse than, but it's this group that, um, it's called Three Legacies, and uh, we don't have a group like that in the area. Um, I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to visit some amazing groups like 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 this one love and service group and um the west portland group is amazing and that's kind of what we got our format from and but in our little town we have and i think everywhere you go it's pretty much the same you have this end of the spectrum and this end of the spectrum and that's what's beautiful about autonomy right you can go to these meetings and have people sitting on the floor in a circle in their flip-flops and cut-off shorts talking about their heroin addiction, getting their topic from a tarot card, right? And then and then you go to this end of the spectrum, and then there's a whole bunch in between. And what we have where I live is a whole bunch in between. And um, I got enough people who came up to me from out of town or new to the area or whatever and, and started asking, where is that meeting? And I'm like, oh, we don't have that meeting. And so I realized, well, we have a my time. Um, I don't trust my timekeeper, I guess. <laughs> Control issues! <laughs> um, so anyway, we we created, uh, you know, and, and my home group only consists of seven people right now, but we created a meeting where, you know, it's structured. It's a speaker meeting. Uh, you stand up to a podium like this one, and that's new to my area. That doesn't happen there. Um, there's no voluntary participation. It's like I said, it's a speaker meeting. Our format is um, 
a five-minute presentation on the step of the month, a five-minute presentation on the tradition of the month, and then somebody sharing their experience, strength, and hope. And we always invite somebody from outside of the group to do that part, the, the, the story. And I don't know if it's going to succeed or fail, but I know that – thank you. I know that today um, I'm doing God's will and i'm i'm going where where i'm put and i'm going to where i can best be of service and provide something that we don't we don't have and you know what is so cool is the meetings around where i live are so good and there's so many good groups that even if even if this group that me and a few like-minded individuals um, are starting fails I can go back to any number of amazing groups around my area, and I can be one among many, and I can participate today appropriately. So I'm going to close with this. My service sponsor usually says that when a big book is given out, it shouldn't be given out without this in it. I have to take that because I love this. I love this pamphlet. Um, I think that these three pamphlets are a kit. Uh, for if anybody hasn't read one, you know, I have, uh, sorry, problems other than alcohol, which I needed to rip up a few of them before I started understanding that one. Um, the many problems other than alcohol for, for, for the condensed version um, for people like me who want to rip up the big one. Um, the AA Home Group, and uh, this one just got re-conference approved, so the newest version looks a little different than this, um, but I have plenty of all of these pamphlets on me, and problems other than alcohol, problems other than alcohol excerpts, traditions illustrated, and the group pamphlet, and I actually have some, uh, not many, but the group pamphlet, some pre-highlighted ones for you, if, if you would like. Again, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Unity and Service, for